Welcome to the Covenant of Peace radio broadcast, the teaching ministry of Pastor Blair Bradley. This program is dedicated to bringing you the glorious truth of God's Word, one verse at a time. We are living in powerful days and we are seeing tremendous changes in our lives, our culture, our nation, and in the church. So now more than ever, we have a great need to exercise spiritual discernment and to know what the Bible teaches about the important issues that we all face today. So let's join Pastor Blair as he continues our study on the Word of God. Welcome again, my beloved in Jesus Christ. We're continuing our verse-by-verse journey through the epistle of Jude, and today we're continuing to go over what Jude taught about how to combat heresy. So let's open our Bibles and read Jude verses 17 through 21 again together. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Now, we're continuing to go over the way that Jude gave us to combat heresy when it comes, and that way is based upon the inspired words where Jude said we have to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Now, in our study, we're going over the ten biblical keys in order to do that. So let's go over the list. First is prayer then Bible study, godly fellowship, obedience, being filled with the Spirit, confession, love, trust, witnessing, and then finally discernment. Now, in the last broadcast, I began to discuss the seventh key, which is love, and I want to continue with that theme today. As we saw last time, all love is not held in equal value by God. There is a love which is far greater than any other kind of love, and one which is able to make you strong. This love is not a basic generic love, but a special exclusive love that is reserved solely and only for God. Let's look again at what Jesus said about this in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now here Jesus said that the highest and most valuable love that we as humans can aspire to on the earth is not the love that we have for our spouse or our children or our country or our possessions or even each other. But the greatest and most spiritual love that any human can exercise is his love for God. And with that love should be manifested in the following way. With all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our minds, and with all our strength. No one or no thing should even come close in our love for and toward God. And rightly so, because nobody else on earth and no thing else on earth deserves the love that that way that God deserves our love. No one else is entitled to our love the way that God is entitled to our love. And no one else on earth has earned the right to 
our love the way God has properly earned ownership of our love. Now, those people called the Puritans were great about meditating about things like this. And if you really want to read some very deep and profound writings about this kind of love for God, then I suggest that you read books by men like Jeremiah Burroughs and John Owen and Richard Baxter or Richard Sibbs or any of the other Puritans. We who serve in ministry today may spend a few hours talking about this exclusive love for God, but the Puritans wrote volumes and volumes about the type of exclusionary love that Jesus said rightly belongs only to God. I suppose that one of the greatest examples of this exclusive love is found in an exchange between Jesus and Peter, as recorded for us in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, that says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Now, right after Jesus was crucified, Peter came to a place of backsliding and said in John 21, verse 3, I'm going fishing. Peter labored all night long but never caught anything, so Jesus performed a miracle right in front of him, and Peter's reaction was that he dove into the water crying, It is the Lord. When he came to the shore, Jesus already had bread and fish prepared for them to eat. Peter was no doubt becoming more and more aware of how greatly he had failed Jesus, and the impact of his own unworthiness was settling on him, and suddenly Jesus spoke to Peter and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Love me more than these. These what? Do, does he love him more than the boat, the fish, the nets, fishing in general, the other disciples? What or who was Jesus referring to? Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? Do you genuinely love me more than anyone or anything? Do you love me with the exclusionary love that is reserved only for God? Now, I have no idea how long it took Peter to reply, but I do know that the question that Jesus asked him took him completely off guard. And you have to understand just how disillusioned Peter was with Jesus at this point. Peter, like many of the disciples, felt entirely let down by the whole crucifixion thing. You see, they had believed that Jesus was God. They had truly believed that Jesus was the chosen Messiah who was prophesied that should come. They had bought into the idea that Jesus was going to deliver them from their enemies, and when they saw him beaten and when they saw him die, it shattered them completely. How do you kill God? Why did Jesus allow pagan Gentiles to beat him and nail him and kill him? Why didn't Jesus show his authority and power and come off that cross and destroy them all? What possible good could ever come out of Jesus' weakness and public humiliation? These people didn't understand why Jesus had done what he did. 
You see, brothers and sisters, Peter and the bunch who walked with Jesus for three and a half years still at this point had absolutely no idea that Jesus wanted to save them from their sins. They didn't understand that the kingdom that Christ wanted to build was not the real estate of Israel, but a kingdom that was in their hearts. They looked at Jesus as their ticket out of Roman occupation. They saw Jesus and his claim as being the Messiah, as being as being the way that God was going to vanquish the Roman army and the land of Israel was going to be restored back to the Jews. And it just didn't work out that way. And beside all this, Peter knew that he was still as wishy-washy as ever. Why, he couldn't even stand faithful for a single night. And he had never quite gotten over that moment when he had just denied the Lord three times in the cock crew and Jesus turned and looked him right in the eyes. That moment haunted Peter day and night. Now this resurrected Lord was asking Peter if he loved him more than these. When Jesus asked the question, he used the Greek word agapeo, which is the exclusive kind of love, we call it agape love, that was reserved only for God. So Peter responded with this statement, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But when Peter responded, he uses the Greek word phileo, which is to say, Yes, Lord, I really like and admire you a lot. Jesus had asked Peter, if he had loved him to the exclusion of everything and everyone else, but Peter had responded with a reply that she might give an acquaintance, but not even a close friend. Now, I believe with all my heart that Peter knew what Jesus had asked him, but he also knew a cardinal rule about God. Peter knew that no one had the right to say that they truly loved God unless and until they obeyed God, and Peter had just denied the Lord and then just walked away like he never knew Jesus. Now, how could Peter possibly answer Jesus' question with an answer that meant that he loved Jesus to the exclusion of everything in his life? So he did not make the claim. He replied, yes, I like you a lot. Now, some would applaud Peter for being honest right here, but Jesus was not about to leave this alone. He knew that God had chosen Peter and that Jesus also knew that unless he confronted Peter head on, Peter would never rise up out of his head of his lukewarm condition. So Jesus pursued after Peter two more times with the same question, and this troubled Peter greatly. But many times, beloved, God has to trouble us greatly in order to bring us to where he wants us to be. The notion that great things for God come out of simple and easy things is not reality. Most of the people who were used by God throughout history are those who suffered unbelievable agony and turmoil over their own sinfulness and their own weaknesses and their own disillusionment with God over what they thought God was going to do, only to find out that God does not operate on our timetable. So Jesus asked Peter the very same question the second time, Peter, do you love me with an exclusionary type of love that is reserved solely and only for God? Do you love me enough to follow me when it is hard? Do you love me enough to obey me even when you don't get what you think you deserve? Do you love me even when things don't work out the way you thought they would? Again, Peter responded with the same answer. Yes, Lord, I like you a lot. But Jesus then asked Peter the same question the third time. But this third time, Jesus asked Peter the question using the same words that Peter had been using. And Jesus asked him, Simon, do you even like me? 
The Bible says that Peter was grieved. Now, why was Peter grieved? Because Jesus asked him the third time? No, Peter was grieved because Jesus was challenging Peter's testimony and questioning the level of Peter's love for him. And this time it broke through with the fisherman, and Peter's answer was different. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter was saying, Lord, don't just hear my words. Look at my heart. I know that I have failed you. I know that I betrayed you, but I really do love you, and I really want to love and serve you exclusively. Now, Peter eventually found that love through his failure and through his disappointments and through his grief. But will you find this kind of love, dear friends? I tell you that this is the kind of love that God is looking for, a love that will endure the disappointments, a love that will go on through the trials and the disillusionments, a love that will put God above everything else and above anyone else, a love that will last into eternity. This is the kind of love that we need, beloved. So pray for this love. Seek God for this love. The Apostle John told us very clearly in 1 John chapter 4, 19, that this kind of love is a gift from God, that we do not normally and naturally love God like this, but this kind of love for God has to be given to us by God. And so we need to seek God for this love. We need to seek God that we might love him more, that we might adore him, that we might put him first, that we might value him above everything in this world and anything in this world. And when we do that, when we do that, when we love God like this, the Bible says we'll get strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, I've got to stop right here, but please join me again on the next broadcast as we continue our journey through the epistle of Jude. May God help us all. Dear friends, if this radio broadcast of line upon line, precept upon precept, teaching of God's holy word is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider supporting us financially? We want to increase our exposure here on the Gulf Coast through more radio stations and through the Internet. Would you pray about coming alongside of us and help us do that to God's glory? For further information about how you can partner with us in seeing the gospel triumph in our area or to receive a copy of today's broadcast, go to our website, www.covenantofpeace.net. Until next time, may the peace of God keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.